Well, my name is Sean, and I am very honored to be able to uh, share my heart a little bit tonight. Pastor Melisha, thank you for allowing me to, to do that. Um, I have the privilege of, and the honor, really, of being the small group pastor here at Meadowbrook Church, this great church. And um, I tell you what, it's been a great roller coaster. Actually, a year ago this month, um, last October, I stepped out of our Next Generation Ministries and uh, turned it over to some great, wonderful people back there. And Pastor Tom Fox has joined us over the last few months. And God's been really doing some great things out there. But last October this time, Pastor Tim sat with me and met with me and really said, Hey, Sean, I really feel that we are to take our small groups to the next level. And there are some things that God has been working, was working in his heart for the last couple of years. And... Uh, he shared that with me and man, some stuff just lit up on the inside of me and, and we kicked off running and it's been really exciting to see. We kicked off our groups at the beginning of this year in March and it's been so cool to see what God has done through our small groups and what God has really done through our leadership within our small groups. Man, I've had a chance to meet with hundreds of small group leaders and just to see the look on their face of God using them to accomplish some powerful things, not only in their lives, but also in the people's uh, lives that are in their small groups. And it's been kind of neat because they're thinking that, hey, I'm going to do a group and it's for other people. And then to realize the flip of that turning out to say, you know what, it wasn't really for them and it was for them, but more it was for me. And God working on the inside of them and taking them to the next level and then jumping out and taking steps. And it's really been neat to see. I, I get to hang out in the hallway in between our services and on Sundays and whenever I can on Wednesdays and see people come and go. And it's been neat to see the relationships that have been formed and the relationships that have kind of gotten together from people that have been coming to church for, 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 to church for 10 years to people just starting our church this year to see them come together and unite and maybe not knowing anybody else in our, in our church, because sometimes maybe, you know, um, on Sunday mornings, it's kind of hard to maybe catch people and we're, we're coming and we're going, but when you can sit down in the living room with somebody and you can eat, that's good. It's good stuff. And you could talk about God and you could build relationship and you could be a strength for each other. When that stuff can happen, man, God is doing some great works and is discipling us and building us and strengthening us. And um, I just want to say thank you to all of our small group leaders and anyone participating in small groups. I just want to say on behalf of our church, thank you for stepping out and joining what God's doing here at Meadowbrook and being part of our small group. So thank you all the small group leaders, small group participants, the members. Thanks for jumping out. We're actually kicking small groups off in the beginning of 2014. So this is just a shameless plug from the small group pastor to you guys that if you're interested in leading a small group, um, if you're interested in leading a small group in 2014, I hate to say it, but it's like almost here. Isn't that crazy? 2014 is almost here. Um, it's a couple months away. If you want to lead a small group, hey, jump out, fill out an application online. I guess service is one of those places. I love to meet with you and, and maybe you don't know all the details for your group, but that's where I love to uh, help you and, and kind of, we can do that together because we are better together. together. We're better together. So, um, thank you guys again for, I'm honored to be part of what God's doing here through our small groups. Um, Tonight, I, ha I have something on my heart, and I, and I believe it's going to be an encouragement to you, and I believe it's also going to be a challenge to you as well. And the title of my message is called this. It's called Dream Again. It's called Dream Again. Um, I believe that God has placed, God has planted God-sized dreams on the inside of us. I believe he's put those things there. I believe he's strategically placed those things in our lives. Um, I believe that maybe from when we were younger, um, as a child even, maybe a teenager, I know God placed a dream in my heart when I was 16 years old that I was going to be in ministry. I didn't know what, but I knew the step. 
And I believe that that was, a, that was God planting that in my heart. And there's been other things along the, along the way that God has placed in my heart. Some big dreams, some, some God-sized dreams. Maybe there's some things when you were younger God has placed in your heart. Or maybe there's some things even as of recently, maybe even tonight, that God showed you a glimpse of something. God showed you a, a goal or a dream or a vision of something that could be. And I titled it Dream Again because I believe that's something that we have to continue to do. I believe we have to continue to dream. And I think there's things that happen maybe in life. There's some points in our lives sometimes that cause us to stop dreaming. They cause us to stop following the goals and the, and the dreams that God has placed in front of us. Um, some things that have kind of nudged us and pushed us and um, drew us away from maybe what that dream was. Maybe just life itself. You know, struggles in life, uh, situations that we're dealing with, disappointments, messes that we've made, right? Messes that other people have made, the scars of life, maybe the ugliness of kind of what life is sometimes. I believe sometimes those things in life, maybe life itself, can have a tendency to push us away from following the God-given dreams that he's placed in our hearts. And so I want to be able to look at this a little bit and, and dig into this a little bit. But even as a dad myself, I have, I have a, a wonderful wife, Jessica, married over 13 years. It's good stuff. Um, and I have two wonderful kids. My son, Braden's 10. He just won the Meadowbrook Academy uh, flag football championship. That's really big stuff. And then my um, daughter, Ella, she's eight and she's just a precious little girl. She's in gymnastics and uh, plays volleyball at the Y. Everybody wins at the Y, so she wins every one of her games. Um, And really great, but even as a dad, and the heart of a dad that I want to have is that I want to have dreams for my kids. I want to see my kids grow into who God wants them to be. I want to see them one day um, fulfill and get the the, the God-given dream for them and the dream to marry that right person. The dream, and and I pray for my kids on a consistent basis, and that dream and that prayer for them that, that their children's children would honor God. And I see that, and I I believe for that, and that's a vision that I believe God has placed in my heart. And just like that, just like I would want to see my kids accomplish the dreams that God has in my heart for them, I believe that God has got some great dreams for us. I believe that there's some things that God has, and he's handpicked for each and every single one of us. I love this passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter 2. It says this, for we are God's own handiwork. We're his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined. He planned beforehand for us, for me, say me, taking paths which prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Man, that's for us. That's for me, that I am God's handiwork. I am his workmanship. Another version says that I am his masterpiece. That that's who I am. God created me to be me. God cared so much about me that he made me, me. God said this, hey, I'm going to make you who you are, Sean, but I'm not just going to keep you there, that I've made you even for more than what I've given you. It says right here in John 10, 10, Miss Alicia was just sharing a little bit earlier. It says, I have come that they might have life and that they might have life more abundantly. Who's they? Well, that's, that's the, 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 the Christians. That's the ones that are following Christ. That's me. That I may, um, that, that God has come that, that I may have life, that I might have life more abundantly. 
That God has come to say, hey, that you were made for more. Wherever you're at right now, I want you to be encouraged tonight because God has made you for more. Can you say that with me? Say, I was made for more. All together. Let's try it one more time. Ready? I was made for more. And that's just to hopefully encourage you tonight that, that you were made for more. That you were made for more. During this, this talk we're going to have, there's going to be two different things I'm going to kind of refer back and forth to. It's going to be the voice of more, and it's going to be the voice of less. And as we go through this, you kind of see how this is going to lay out. But let's, let's kick things off a little bit in John chapter 5. John chapter 5 and verse 1 through 3, it says this. Afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed lay on these porches. So let me give you a little bit of background on this passage of Scripture. Traditionally, what has happened here is an angel has come by and stirred the waters, right? And then the first person in would be healed. And so there was large numbers of sick people. There was large numbers of people that were paralyzed. They were were blind. They had some sort of infirmity. They, they were gathered around this pool, hoping that they would be the next person to get in, to jump in. Now, this wasn't your five-star resort kind of uh, area, right? Because there's people here, and they have all this kind of stuff going on. They have all this sickness kind of going on. They can't move very quickly or at all. This is a very, really unpleasant place to be. It was unsanitary. There was smell of sickness. There was rotting flesh. Um, there was bodies that haven't been bathed in days and weeks and months and years even. And so they were here living in their own mess. This is a very, maybe not a great place to be. And there was from time to time and few and far between, even that people were able to, to get healed. Um, but the ones that maybe were more healthy were able to get to the water first. And so they would be those ones. So you had all these other large crowds of sick people that maybe weren't able to get there. They had stuff going on. And not only were maybe they physically going through some crisis, but you can imagine the disappointment that they were facing, the, the uh, emotional discouragement that they were kind of going through of, great, it wasn't me again, or, you know, this was going on or that was going on, this disappointment, this frustration, this discouragement that was happening in their lives. And we see people here, really, that have been in crisis. And we can look at our own lives and maybe kind of relate at some level to this, that we ourselves have been through crisis, that we ourselves have been through mess sometimes, Right? There's some things that maybe have kind of bumped into us to try to take some of the things that maybe God would want for us. So there's some relatability here. Let's go back to John chapter 5. It says this. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. It's a long time. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? Now, let's just stop here for a second. Let's look at what kind of amazing God that we have. Jesus here, Jesus, the son of God, knows what's going on here in this area. The smell, the, the, the foul stuff that's going on. There's sick people there. These are maybe people that other people maybe didn't want to be around. And so you have Jesus taking a moment to stop, not to, to gawk and mock and make fun of, but Jesus here, the compassion of Jesus. In the, the, the middle of their mess, Jesus stops and takes a moment. That's the kind of God that we serve. 
And that's the kind of God that loves us. He shows us compassion despite my faults, despite the problems that I've, I've gone through, despite the things that are going on in my life. Jesus stops here and he saw him and he knew he's been ill for a long time. And he asked him this question, would you like to get well? Now, to somebody that maybe hasn't been sick for 38 years, to somebody that maybe is still dreaming of where things are at right here, that response is like, yes, I do. Yeah, that's me. I want to get well. That's what I'm going through. But listen to what he says here, because this says a lot. It really kind of goes back to a point of disappointment, frustration uh, that he's facing right here. He says these three words and listen to the disappointment in them. I can't, sir. I can't. I can't, sir. And, and his, he's probably at this point not even making eye contact with Jesus. He's probably just, maybe his head's bow, uh, just turned down or he's laying down just in, in a place of, of being sick for 38 years. The frustration of that is like, I can't, sir. And go on to see what he says here. For I have no one to put me in the pool. So obviously he couldn't get there physically. When the water bubbles up, someone else gets there ahead of me. And this is the point I, w- I want to make. There's, the point I want to make is this. Here in his situation, where he was physically and even mentally, listen to this. In that place, in that place of frustration, in that place of disappointment, he saw his current situation. He just saw what he had. He didn't see necessarily at that point what the son of God had for him. He saw what he had. This is what I've got. And I can't. I myself, I cannot. You yourself, we cannot accomplish what God wants us to accomplish just by ourselves. That there's something that's got to be greater than us. Our faith can't be in ourselves. Our faith must be in God. And I think this voice of less can sneak into us sometimes because I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life that I've gone to the I can't thing real quickly. And I would just even wonder in my own self that what excuses even have I had in my life? What excuses have you had in your life that caused me not to accomplish those big God-sized dreams that he has for us. Because I think a lot of times we go right automatically to the excuse button, don't we? And it's easy sometimes, let's just be honest. Hey, it's easy for us to make excuses. You know, we're like professionals. We're good at that. We got no problem making excuses. Let me, let me go over a few excuses maybe you've heard before. Not you, probably your kids. <laughs> I can't love that person. I can't honor him or her. I can't go to college. I don't want to, I can't go back to college. I can't play sports. I don't have friends. I don't, I don't know anyone. I'm afraid. I can't get in shape. I can't share my faith with somebody. I can't conquer my insecurity. I don't have time to spend with God. I can't get rid of these thoughts. I can't get out of debt. I can't make that decision. I'm just alone. I can't start tithing. I can't afford to tithe. I can't finish this invention that God's put in my heart. I can't get a job. I can't make the team. I can't stop talking that way. I can't afford it. I can't stop looking at that, listening to this, drinking that, smoking that. I can't start a small group. That's from the small group pastor. That's just, that's just extra. That's just for me to tell you that, yes, yes, you can. Yes, you can. We get that all the time. I can't, I don't, I won't. We, we, we get those things. And, and they, unfortunately, maybe because over time, maybe because of things that have kind of snuck up in our lives, our automatic response sometimes is to automatically go to that excuse and we're good at saying it. But I believe that God wants us to maybe do some other things. Those, that is the voice of less. And let me just get a little bit more real just with us right now. A lot of times that voice of less is things that we say over ourselves. It's eyes. The eyes, eyes, eyes. I can't, I don't, I won't. 
And let's just be a little bit more real that maybe over time in your life, you've had people in your life say, you can't, you won't, you don't. Maybe from a parent or a coach, somebody even in church, someone around you, someone you knew, someone you didn't know. That is the voice of less. That is the voice trying to take from you. And I just want to encourage us, and I hope that we can have this kind of mentality, that here, as children of God, that we need to be the ones that are speaking the voice of more. I don't want to speak the voice of less to my wife, to my kids, to people around me. I want to speak the voice of more to my wife. I want to speak the voice of more to my kids. I'm not perfect by any means, but man, I don't want to, I don't want to speak the voice of less. I think as Christians that we should be used by God, having the compassion that God kind of had here, that maybe even in messy situations, instead of speaking the voice of less, we can speak the voice of more to people's lives and build them up instead of tearing them down. Let me read to you one more excuse even, or even the voice of less that really God's placed in my heart for someone here tonight. I'm not sure who, maybe for one, maybe for more. But it's this excuse, maybe this voice of less, that I failed before. I failed before. Maybe you've had a failure in your life. Maybe you've gone through failure. Look at me tonight. I want you to know that although you've had failure, look at me, you are not a failure. You're not a failure. God hasn't called you to be your failure. You're not a failure. Just to kind of lighten the topic a little bit. Excuses are like armpits. Everyone has them and they usually stink. That's true. That's good. That's, that's good stuff. We got that from the intranet. It's good stuff. <laughs> so this voice of less, we know it's out there. We can all relate to it at some level. Can we switch gears a little bit? Can we talk about the voice of more? This is good stuff, right? This is the voice of more. This is what God has for us. The voice of more says this. The voice of more says you were made for more. You were made for more. The voice of more says, don't allow your can't to limit God's can. Don't allow your can't to limit God's can. That's, that's the voice of more. The voice of more says, Hey, dream big, dream big with limits. That's the voice of more in Luke chapter one, verse 37. It says for nothing is impossible with who? With Sean, yeah, it's totally, nothing is impossible, I can do it. No, nothing is impossible with God. It's not, these six words, man, and and I've heard this before, and it's kind of a thing, and um, that, no, these six words, there is power in these words. There needs to be something that rises up on the inside of you to begin to love this, and to pray this, and to speak this over your life, and to speak this over your family, and to speak this over your day in and day out, that man, for nothing is impossible with God. God, you know, a little bit of background about this. We, we hear this verse a lot come Christmas time because this is where the angel Gabriel comes and appears to Mary and says, Mary, hey, guess what? I just wanted you to know something. Um, you're going to carry the son of God. And Mary's like, say what? And Mary's like, <laughs> Mary's like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? That's crazy. That's huge. There's no way this is going to happen. And in, in our lives sometimes, isn't that the way it is? Isn't that the way it is sometimes? Maybe that you're not, you're going to carry the son of God. That was only a one-time thing, carrying the son of God. But maybe in your life, there's some big things that kind of show up sometimes. There's some big things that God kind of drops in your heart. And our response sometimes is like, seriously, that, I can't do that. But really what God wants us to realize is what the angel Gabriel said before he left Mary. 
he said, hey, you're going to carry the son of God. And Mary's like, you know, and, and, and angel is like, hey, and by the way, for nothing is impossible with God. And I want to encourage you tonight that no matter what that is in your life, no matter what you're believing for, no matter what God has spoken to you over the years, that nothing is impossible with God. God has unlimited power. God can do anything. God created the heavens and the earth. Have you read Genesis 1 recently? Man, go back and read that. Man, God can do it. God created the heavens and the earth. God parted the water of the Red Sea. He knocked down the walls of Jericho. He caused blind to see and lame to walk. God is awesome. We serve a limitless God. It's not a God just to sit on our seat about. It's a God to say, you know what? I have a big God. He's doing some big things in our world, in our lives. Listen to this real quickly. The the word impossible literally means this. Impossible means this. No power. It means weak. It means powerless. No power, weak, powerless. Now, let's put that into our scripture here. And it says this, for nothing is powerless. Nothing is weak with God. Man, nothing is powerless. Nothing is weak with God. That is the voice of more in our lives. What is the dream that God has placed in your heart? Maybe it's a dream for your family. Maybe it's a dream for your future. Maybe it's a dream for your city or for your neighborhood or for your job, for your heart personally, for your healing. What is the dream that God has placed in your heart and in your life? And maybe you say, well, I don't know. I, that's, I, don't, I don't know. I don't have any dreams. Well, listen, I want to encourage you spend some time with God. Open up that door to say, God, what is it that you want me to do in my life? God, what can I do just even today? Making that your prayer in the morning and say, God, today is the day that you have made. I will choose to rejoice and to be glad in it. God, I'm yours. Put something in my heart for today. And the more times that we open up that conversation with God, the more that he's going to begin to speak to us through his word, through, being, uh, through, through teaching, through spending time with him, through small groups, through being one-on-one together with people and challenging each other. God is going to speak to our hearts and he's going to show us some things. There's this guy by the name of William Carey and he said this, expect great things of God. He's a big God. We should expect some things. But attempt great things for God. Attempt. What kind of attempts are we making? What kind of, maybe just throw it out there, what kind of risks are we taking? What kind of faith jumps are we going for? You know, and I think it's easy sometimes to just kind of be in that settle area where we can just kind of be comfortable. And, and I, I believe that we should be content with where we are. I believe that. I believe that God has, has brought us here. We have a great city. We have a great church. We have a great God. We have, we have, God has been good to us. We, we, we should be content. But listen to me. We should not be satisfied that there is more, that I was made for more. And I need to make some attempts for God. It's, it's not just that I have a big God. Yes, we do. Expect great things of God and attempt great things for God. What kind of attempts are we making for God? In Philippians chapter 1, in verse 6, it says this, And I am convinced and sure of this very thing, that he who's begun a work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ. Right up to the time of his return, developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it into full completion. Listen to those three words. Developing, perfecting, and bringing. 
That's what God wants to do on the inside of us. Listen, we're not, we're far from perfect, guys. Hey, we're here because, man, we need something during the middle of our week to help us. You know, we're, we're here. We're, we're far from perfect. But this is the point that we have to get to. God, would you develop in me? God, would you perfect in me? God, would you bring me to full completion in you? Not in me, because in me, I can't, in me is, is, is worthless. But God, I need you. I need you. I, I'm made for more. And God, to, to, to be that, to become that. I need to be developed. I need to be perfected. I need to bring, to be brought into full completion in you. This guy in John, a really cool story, and I encourage you maybe to study it out further on your own. But he was in, he was in, a, in a mess, literally, physically, mentally, emotionally. He was in a point of mess here. And in John chapter 5, verse 8, Jesus told him, Remember, he said, I can't. No one could bring me to the pool. Jesus told him, stand up. Pick up your mat and walk. Pick up your mat and walk. And remember, there's parts of this guy that we can relate to. Maybe you're not stuck at this pool waiting for an angel to stir the water, but maybe you can kind of find yourself in his story. Maybe you can find yourself with those excuses in life. Maybe you can find yourself struggling here or struggling there. But Jesus says, don't, don't stay there. Jesus says, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. And church, man, I'm telling you tonight, God wants us to pick it up a little bit. God wants us to stand up a little bit. God wants us to strengthen up a little bit. God wants us to get stirred up a little bit. That, hey, although these things maybe around us are happening, man, I don't serve a a small God. I serve a big God. I don't serve a God of just whatever. I serve a God that's the creator of the heavens and earth, that with God, nothing is impossible. And those things that he's placed on the inside of me, those things that he wants me to do, those things that he's called me to do when I was a teenager, when I was in elementary school last week, today, those things God wants to do in my life. And man, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to pick up my mat and I'm going to follow God. I might be in a mess right now. I might be facing a mess in my life right now. I might be struggling right now. But man, I tell you what, I'm getting ready to stand up. I'm telling you what, I'm ready to stand up. That when God says, hey, it's your turn. Hey, the dream is here. Hey, I need you to step up. Then I'm ready to go. And that's the kind of heart that I believe God wants us to have because we were made for more. Jesus said, hey, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. And instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. I want to challenge all of us that we can ask God to help us turn our current situations, our current struggles, our current disappointments, our current mess into a God-sized masterpiece. And hey, if you can do it for one, he can do it for all. C.L. Lewis says this, you're never too old to set another goal or to dream another dream. You're never too old. From the youngest to the oldest, God wants us to dream. I'm going to give you a few steps as we get ready to close here. A few steps that I think can really encourage us to find out what those dreams are in our lives. First one is this. Is, these are kind of basic, but a renewal for us. It's focus on your time with God. What does that look like? Have you invited God to speak to your heart 
And if you haven't done that in your own personal time with God, if it's become more of you just reading and more of you just kind of gaining for what you can gain, I encourage you just to take a deep breath and just rest in God and say, God, speak to my heart today. And he'll use his word. He'll use his spirit. But I don't want to just be led in my life by my past experiences. I want to be led by God's spirit. And I want God to speak to my heart. And I want to find out what it is that God wants me to do. I want to silence the voice of less. And I want to pick up a little bit the voice of more. When I say a little bit, I mean a whole lot. I want to pick that up. I don't want to just settle for where I am. I'm content, but man, there's more that God wants for me. There's more that God wants for you. There's more that God wants for our church. God's got some big things. So your time with God has got to be focal. And I'm saying this not as a small group guy, but just as the reality. But we need to spend that time with each other. That there's some people around you. Look around. There's people that you sit by every week on Sundays, on Wednesdays. You know, we're creatures of habit, aren't we? How many of you guys sit in the same seat every service? It's okay. You can be honest. Well, I I switched one time, so no, I don't, you know. We're creatures of habit. Find out who those people are around you and get to know them a little bit. You could be sitting next to your best friend. You could be sitting next to someone that's going to take you to the next level. You could be sitting next to someone that can help you dream and accomplish those dreams. That we need to spend time together. The Bible says that iron sharpens iron. We got to spend that time together and sharpen each other. And the, the third element here is that you would take a step. That you would take a step. That you would do something. What is the next step for you? And so, so for me, I was 16 years old and I knew at a youth camp in Daytona Beach that God had called me to ministry. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what that would look like. I just knew God called me to ministry. And, and I know now that I'm called to be a pastor. I'm called to help people, to encourage people. And I was there and I knew God had called me to that place. But I was 16. I was, I was in high school. But it was that moment that I had with God. And then it was the steps after that I took that brought me to where I am. And this is not where I'm staying. God's got even bigger things for me. God's got even more in plan. I have no idea what that looks like, or what that is. I'm very blessed with where, where God's called me to be. I'm very honored to be part of this ministry. But I was at that point, I was at that age, and I, I didn't know what that would look like, but I began to take steps just serving in the ministry with my, with my youth pastor. What does that look like for you? Maybe you have a God-sized dream on the inside, but you are just overwhelmed by what that would even contain. Start somewhere. Do something. Take one step forward and then see what God does. And then take another. And then maybe another one after that. We arrive in life in stages. So what is the next stage for you? The worst thing that we can do is just stay where we are, knowing that there's something greater that God has for us. And I believe that God's got something great for every single one of us. So to spend time with God, spend time with others and take a step for him. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, says the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. I didn't see where I was going to be at the age I am now, 34, when I was 16. I just saw that. 
And then I had faith to where God was going to bring me. For nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. What is your God-sized dream? What voice are you listening to? The voice of less or the voice of more? Church tonight, I want to dare you to dream again.